0: from back in 1938 a lady was walking home one night and she heard the sound it's like she said it was like a bridle being whipped and next minute she's in this place and coming back to what you're saying about clothing she said she was in this really futuristic bright city where everyone was beautiful and then there was, the noise came back again and she found herself three miles Away from where she had experienced the the, the first sound, so wow. in a lot of ways, it's a classic missing time yeah. UFO um, encounter, if you want to put, it, if you want to frame it in yeah. that way. At the same time, of course, it's, whatever is happening is not it's, it's, it's a it, UFO are masking themselves. So story had been recorded using the context of the language people knew at the time. And yet it still resonated. We can still recognize that type of story for what yeah. it was. And again, as you say, these little oddities, people dress differently. You know, it's like they don't know you're you're a stranger now in their their environment,
1: and yet you're you're the outsider, but
0: if they pop into ours,
1: we can notice them. Hello, and welcome to the Spirit Box Podcast, where we explore folklore, magic, the world of the spirits, and everything in between. Today we welcome David Halpin. Uh, David is a writer uh, from Carlow in Ireland and he has a deep knowledge and, and expertise in Ireland's fairy lore and its pagan heritage. On his Facebook blog, Circle Stories, he explores these themes in great depth and we'll have the link to that in the show notes so do do go give that a follow. David is also the creative force behind the Occult Book Review, both on Twitter and on the YouTubes. Now, one of the things I really love about David's work is he's an active participant in preserving the lore and mythology of ireland he goes out and sees the stones the fairy forts and he teases their stories from them stories of celestial alignments stories of folkloric importance of people's experiences throughout the generations at these places i think that's amazing i think it's vital you know, for people like ourselves, uh, myself and yourself, dear listener, who are drawn to these areas, um, the work of people like David uh, is what makes an awful lot of our research possible. Um, so anyway, this is a really interesting show and it's it's one that was on the cards for a long time and um, I'm glad we've finally managed to, to make it happen. So, so in the show, uh, David talks about how he looks uh, for the attributes and the themes that um, forms exhibit. You know that, that they can manifest in the in the same ways, um, and he talks specifically about this uh, in terms of the Banshee, which kind of gets the show on the road, and he pulls various examples from memory from Dukas, um the Irish Schools collection and other sources um, that that he's managed to collect over time we go through the parallels with UFOs we get into the are there differences between cities and rural areas in terms of fairies maybe they are maybe they aren't and we go down a bit of a rabbit hole after the old puka we get into the power of reversals and how that seems to be a really um Really a, a thread that goes through a hell of a lot of fairy lore. In the plus show, we get into the dangers of summoning the good people, and why uh, why David used the the term senubites to describe the fairies in in his recent appearance in What Magic Is This? And David regales us with a story of rushing up against the strange when uh, on a remote trip to a to a stone circle, which uh, which really really made me laugh. And we also discussed. Uh, The Nature of Fairy Ointments, and from there, discuss the potential use of of, um, native psychedelics in well, evidence in in Irish mythology, and perhaps uh, folk practice. And we go off on a couple of interesting tangents on the djinn, Our Lady of Fatima, and the the very nature of consciousness. So it's a, it's a, a fun show, and one I really enjoyed. I'm also putting into the Plus show, I'm putting in an account of witnessing the banshee from season one of the show i've put that into the end and do um do hang about for that because it's it's a fun one it's an interesting one and it highlights some of the things that dave and i discussed during the podcast so there's loads of show notes for this one so if anything uh, piques your interest during the show then do check out the the show notes because there's probably a link to it um and if you want to hear the plus show then go scroll down through these amazing show notes and um there you'll see the link to my link three and you can find the link to my patreon and come and join the fam there's a hell of a lot in there there's the entire back catalogue of plus shows and heaps and heaps of bonus stuff so if that sounds like your bag then do give it a shot right that's it from me let's get on with the show Um, I am very, very happy and um waiting for a very long time to, to welcome David Halton onto the show. David, it's fantastic to have you onto the show.
0: Cheers, Dara. It's great to be here. And I've uh, loved all the previous episodes of Spirit Box, so it's great to be on the show as well with all the great guests you've had on in the past. And to talk ah. to yourself, of course.
1: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, it's lovely to have you on the show. Do you know, I actually, I'd, I'd, um, I thought about kind of introducing you in Irish, and then I, I completely forgot about that. So that's. Um, Bit of a disappointment to myself my
0: Irish is, is, is awful anyway so uh, oh, it's not great the,
1: either you know but so, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've I've,
0: I've just seen my daughter's uh, Christmas report so it runs in the family
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've um I've spent one of the kind of I do annual goals you know and some of which uh, uh, I do well but others I don't but I find it very helpful to track the year and then one of the things I've been looking at is um really uh, reevaluating my Irish you know, uh, working at it again. And, um, one of the things that I found really, uh, I dunno, um, really lovely is the, is the name for animals, the name for wildlife in Irish. There's so many beautiful names, um, for, for uh, various different forms of life in Irish that you just don't get the same impact in, 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 in English. Um, And it makes me think an awful lot about kind of like you know the areas that you're interested in and you've got expertise in around kind of folklore and fairy lore and all that kind of thing. When when you look at how what the words mean specifically in Irish and then how they became anglicised, you know, there's a lot of them. Yeah, have
0: you read uh, the the Mancon Magan
1: book? Uh, uh, He has a couple out now, actually. So if you haven't, you might you might find them. He does. He does. Then the new one is actually um uh, the gentleman who does the illustration um uh, uh listens to the show so oh, uh, right okay he, he's very kindly uh going to send me a new one about uh, it's about the mythical creatures of Ireland isn't it, it that is one? yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and all of the all of the sacred places and yeah. uh, you know, I guess it covers all of the supernatural folk yeah as well but, but yeah. the one previous to that was about the Irish words and where they came from and again like like the, the beauty of, of the words yeah. themselves and yeah. oddly enough there was a book a couple of years ago um about that as well the way words were, are disappearing from yeah. the language and they're being replaced by it's almost like a gnostic or, or, or archonistic uh takeover Relative. of language that yeah. is which is interesting but it's a bit of a diversion in terms that's of what we're talking about now yeah, that, yeah
1: that's, that's yeah. interesting and, and like the, the ones that i was kind of picking up on are, are like the fairly standard ones like but you know um like wolf is like mocked here like 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 son of the land and mm-hmm. and, then, yeah, and then the, the, the lovely one for um uh, for ladybirds, as a boeing deer, a bovine okay. like the like the little cow of yeah. God, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, which are charming. Um, but I, that's a bit I kind of wanted to ask you about in in terms of kind of the like the the depth of of um, like fairy lore that you have um, knowledge in. Is is there any of those areas where kind of like, I mean, as I said, neither of us are Gaelic scholars. Like you know, we're we're yeah. we're picking up our coupla fuckle. Um, um that'll probably get me caught now on the youtube swear filters now but uh yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Well, i am actually under pressure now because my wife has taken it up again and she has she, now
1: right, right yeah. she she's learning Irish yeah um but in in some of the lore and some of the kind of the the but in in some of the the lore that you look at um, is there any areas where you've found just having that little bit of understanding some of the words makes a difference? I mean, like, Banshee is the obvious one, you know. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Like, they, I, like you know what, like,
0: yeah, I, I you hear what you're saying. I think, for me, I, I'm not that type of a thinker or, or a writer or researcher. Right. What I'm, I'm interested in are the stories themselves. And what I pick up on, which has been said to me before, is, is that are the motifs and the way you can compare certain figures, even if the names are different or if the name is the same, the attributes of these forms can uh, manifest in the same way. Uh, Like, I, I remember a while ago, my wife had a gig in Roscommon and we had to drive from Carlo to Roscommon to get there. It was, I think, almost three hours. And I remember thinking as we were driving, all of this land is so... Ireland is a small country, and yet a few thousand thousand years ago, this was all deeply forested, there were people who could probably live in their own little enclosed tribal area without ever encountering any other people. Yeah, And so within that context then, what's interesting is from all of Ireland, you, you get these stories that are carried on in oral tradition of these forms, and yet they still have the same ways of manifesting manifesting you know they, they come with, with lights they move on lights they they move like with with a fairy wind or they they ask for certain things so for me that's what's what's interesting to pick up on and even if the names are different say for example the banshee as you mentioned there would both be known as the bab or even the bow that, that kind of anglicized version in wexford but it's still the banshee you know yeah. and as time as time changes and language changes that the persona and the traits of these forms still stay the same, even if how we dress them changes. You know, so I find that interesting, and and I think that that also adds to the the mystery of the authenticity as well.
1: I love that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I really get that. You know, um, I can see. Like, I mean, you're you're one of the you're one of the few people who've Read my my book, um, kind of already. So for those who don't know, David was my Irish folklore stress test. I was like, if I can get past him, then I know it's I'm not completely full of shit. So uh, it's, it's a
0: brilliant book, and I can't yeah. wait for everyone else to, to read it.
1: There, oh, that's really kind of you. Yeah. That's really kind of yeah. fantastic but, luck But that that was kind of where I picked up on like the like when I saw the fire Darker in the kind of the yeah yeah in the in the in the Fianna stuff. Um, and it's really startling when you when you pick up those motifs, you know, when you think about kind of like so much of our folklore across the world has been divided by not just geography, but, but language and culture. And then when you're able to kind of boil it down to the nob and you start seeing so many of these repetitive um, motifs, it's, it's staggering, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of cutting... Uh, it, it's... Just this endless kind of repetition, in, in so many ways of human experiences, but also kind of human experiences with the other. Um, and um, yeah, hearing in, in those kind of different versions of, of the banshee and kind of different. E- e- experience. I know you you recently wrote a, a piece about that. I've been following. I, I follow you on Insta because I'm I'm not on Facebook because I'm a crotchety old man. Right, right. But, but um, that's one of the re- one of the only reasons that um, I'm. That I, I actually regret, Facebook. Cause nah. it's your well, cost, right? Cause I always you try know what, like,
0: yeah, yeah. It did. It, it's odd. Like I didn't intend on staying on yeah. Facebook or making that the platform, but it's just one that happened to take off. And yeah. there are so many people there now who I interact with. Yeah, and the, the, the problem for me, and it's a good problem, is that the the articles get shared so widely
1: yeah. that
0: I can't, I can't even keep up with.
1: Yeah. Commenting or
0: answering questions on other platforms, but at least with Facebook, it's, yeah. it's like I like I I am there and people can, yeah, can yeah. interact. Yeah. I can interact with people, so yeah, it's, it's just worked out like that, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. It's one of those things. Yeah. Well,
1: but um, maybe. do you know what?
0: There just as an aside, can you higher up your mic a little bit? Is that yeah, possible? Sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Can you hear me better? Is it can you hear me better now?
0: Yeah, a little bit better. Cool. That's, yep. that's okay. Sorry. Um, okay. but um, yes, uh, I've written a few pieces about. The banshee, uh, yeah. an interesting one re- read um was after I had read a book, um e- e- Ecology of Soul, yeah. which which I think you think you've read yourself um there was there was an interesting story around this area about a lady in white who guards a, a, a Killeen, and a Killeen, for people who don't know, is a place where unbaptized children were were buried and often it was strangers to to the area or maybe a criminal people who, who weren't allowed up on the sanctified ground right and oftentimes these places were also the the local fairy rath or fairy fort so there was an association for the for the the parents they could place a, a child with the fairy so if the fairies were seen as beings or forms who were uh, not good enough for heaven not evil enough for hell the children were were placed in this liminal space okay where the parents could have some kind of consolation and that their, their their child was somewhere and being looked after but anyway coming back to this local story of a lady in white who was known more as a ghost or a banshee and um, I kind of thought it was interesting that she appeared at a collleen and it was a different attribute to if if we want to classify her as a banshee it's a a totally different attribute, almost like a psychopomp. You know, like she's yeah. guiding the, the the souls of these children. Yeah. But from that perspective, why I was interested was because it kind of dawned on me then that it's us who are placing the the modus operandi on these forms, It's us yeah. who are categorizing them. But really, we could be completely wrong. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. So from that perspective, I was interested in what Joshua had written as well, and because he his book is so it has so many different stories and so many mm. different perspectives and uh, fantastic work. But just when I was thinking about the banshee, I was like, yeah, like, if this if this form is a banshee, like it's it's something that we don't normally think of banshees as doing, uh, um, you know, being psychopaths. Instead, they're they're people who warn about. Uh, They may place a curse on a family. uh, They're outside time in a way because they tend to be able to speak about what's going to happen to a generation in the future as well as the present. And I find that, that, as I've written about before, it's almost like a quantum aspect, Mm. you know, because they're outside of our our everyday perception and our everyday experience of time. And yet they seem to have no problem moving dimensionally in that way. and of course yeah well like you know but that's that's just a different context for the banshee which i i find interesting to contemplate
1: Mm. and when you cross that with the fact that they often appear in archaic looking clothing you know it's just another area of strangeness and that that motivation thing is is a question that i i i I, you know obviously you can tie yourself in knots with it you know and and i quite frequently do but but it, it the The thing of like the the weird clothing or the out of time clothing always kind of fascinates me because it now this could be off just pure it's, it's pure assumption that's me projecting, I suppose as well mm-hmm. but, but it hints at a similar lack of understanding of us because if if something yeah, is yeah. materializing and manifesting, like what's a hundred years you know, yeah, like yeah, five yeah. years in fashion now you know it is looks totally different, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, as a Gen Xer, seeing millennials in skinny jeans. <laughs> oh, still hurts. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's a, another story from around here, which appears on the Duke. When I say from around here, I should say, like, where I live. I live on the, the wicklow Carlo border. And it's an area where we have, we're lucky, very lucky to still have lots of stone circles, lots yeah. of fairy forts. Um, I've been involved in a few campaigns to try to preserve them and to stop uh, development in these areas, why people would want to uh, kind of knock down a a stone circle or dolmen or, you know, it's it's progress, we're told, but really it's shocking what can be done. We had a near miss recently where there was supposed to be a wind farm erected next to a stone circle, and it would block out an alignment from Cadeen Mountain down to Bodhi-Carrageen, which has existed for over 5,000 years. Now, luckily enough, in the end, the, the planning was rejected but it's an ongoing battle to right. try and preserve this type of heritage. Yeah. But anyway, coming back to that that story on that particular mountain cadeen, we have lots and lots of stories about fairies, uh people going missing missing time, lots lots of really interesting motifs and parallels to, to UFO uh lore and occurrences as well. But this one back in 1938, a lady was walking home one night and she heard the sound it's like she said it was like a bridle being whipped and next minute she's in this place and coming back to what you're saying about clothing she said she was in this really futuristic bright city where everyone was beautiful and then there was the noise came back again and she found herself three miles away from where she had experienced the, the, the first sound so wow. it, in a lot of ways it's a, it's a classic missing time yeah. UFO um, encounter, if you want to put it, if you want to frame it in yeah. that way. And at the same time, of course, whatever is happening is not, it's, it's a it, UFO that are masking themselves. story had been recorded using the context of the language people knew at the time, and yet it still resonated. We can still recognize that type of story for what yeah. it was. And again, as you say, these little oddities, people dress differently. You know, it's like they don't know, you're, you're a stranger now in their, their environment you're you're the outsider but if they pop into ours we can notice those, those yeah. weird traits Hmm.
1: yeah it, it's 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 so interesting and it does yeah i mean i think what you were saying there about existing outside of time um makes an awful lot of sense or indeed like from from a gin perspective uh, from sorry, from from a kind of an Arabic perspective, the idea of Jinn having like these extraordinarily long lifetimes um, kind of hint at the same thing, you know. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's it's fascinating stuff. Um, in in terms of kind of like the the areas of interest, you know, what's the kind of most say recent story coming out of Ireland that has piqued your interest? Recent account.
0: Well, I I get stories all of the time, and it's it's difficult not to be a judge. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, because you go, "Ah, oh, that's 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 not true," or that's yeah. you know, it's a, just a generic tale, or this, that, or the other. And uh, like I wrote about that at one point, and what I found was, and I, I will answer your question, but I'll just take take like a kind of a scenic route. If you don't mind, of course. What I what I, I was writing about was the pressure people are under. To conform to previous fairy types in yeah. Ireland, because they don't want to say something that's too which has which has too much uh, peripheral strangeness first and foremost, but which they won't be able to explain to people, and so they sometimes will go yeah okay, then like well, I suppose it was like this, I suppose it was like that where the initial stuff, Description is something completely different, and again comes to down to us classifying or wanting to compartmentalise yeah. these forms so that we can we can track them and we can say okay this particular fairy is seen here in a woodland area, this one wherever is beside water, or this one here only comes when it's the equinox. Whereas in fact, if you go a little bit beyond that, perhaps it's us placing those restrictions on these forms and they're as unaware of these categories as um, as we would be if we were in their world and we were trying to make sense of it. So, like, I think people are, we were speaking about the Banshee already, so Banshee, I get stories about the Banshee quite a lot sent in. I get odd, odd stories. One I mentioned to Douglas before was about this guy who saw this joint a skinless rabbit and he chased it through the field and after after he chased it through the field he happened to look up to the sky and he realized that he didn't recognize any of the constellations and then after wow. that he kind of was a bit bewildered and suddenly something happened and reality seemed to shift again and he was back in the normal world again and it was a bit like um, the Jenny Randall thing the Oz effect where people can be outside of time outside of dimensional time and outside of linear time as well when they have these types of experiences yeah so so that that was one that stood out for me simply because of that because i was interested in it Um, there's a science fiction book from the early 2000s called eiffelheim actually and it reminded me a bit of that because it's, it's about this uh, space alien spacecraft with crashes in medieval germany so it was a really unusual setting, which was why I remembered it. But there's one point where the alien is looking up at the sky and the alien realizes that not only are they so far from home, but they're in a totally different dimension as well, and they will have no hope of ever returning to their own world. It was kind of a, a, a poignant moment. But I, I wonder, with so-called uh, time slips and with fairy encounters, which, which have that... Uh, a way of placing you outside of the everyday world with the fairy mist for example Mm. are we also trespassing almost or are slipping into some kind of um, part of our own world which we normally wouldn't perceive and are there reasons for that perhaps maybe that morning we've done something you know that affected our metabolism which allowed us to just experience something outside of our normal everyday senses, or is it something else entirely? I don't really know. But um, I think everyone is bewildered and often confused and sometimes scared when they do have these experiences. So I find sometimes people have a lot of trepidation and they tend to wait to see what your reaction is before they tell you the next part, which will be something more sensational maybe or intimate. And they would be reluctant to disclose that, you know because oftentimes there's a sexual element of fairy encounters, which you don't you don't see that part in the ducas archives, for example in fact there there's very little of dark folklore yeah. in in ducas and I'm not saying sex is, is dark for people or well for some people but for uh, what it is, people would not have disclosed that. Yeah. In the environment where people were giving out uh, their their tales, it would be to their neighbor or maybe someone who came to 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 visit the the, the village, or for the school's collection. It was to like the kids in the village, so they're not going to tell them a story about how they were, you know, aroused or something more explicit in yeah. the context of fairy lore. And yes, in European fairy lore and in Abri- a lot of Aboriginal lore, I find. Those things there's not as much of a taboo yeah. about speaking about those aspects, you know. So, I, like, I, I do think we're, we're missing a, a part of our own folklore, which maybe with our, you know, we're more open today. You might argue, so perhaps that aspect will start to come into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, and and we're missing like we're we're missing big sections of history. Uh, you know, where we don't have, as you said, those those explicit accounts captured in, in kind of any other formal ways either. Like, you know, the, a lot of that stuff turns up in the Scottish Witch Trials, you know, mm-hmm. what I would term, you know, fairy experiences and um, being like hypersexual. So, like, like, for example, yeah. the case of like an Andro Man, um, he explicitly said he had like several barns, as they, the uh, mm-hmm. know what he's yeah, like to say. Yeah. Um, with with the Queen of Elfheim, you Yeah. Know? yeah. So yeah. like it's and and that is in those like court records. Whereas we didn't really yeah. have witch yeah. trials here, you know. That didn't really happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and
0: unfortunately, during the Civil War, yeah. we, we lost a, an awful lot of documentation. Anyway, yeah. so perhaps yeah. there were there were <laughs> accounts and not necessarily witch trials, but yeah. you know the documentation like that. You know where yeah. you would pick up on certain. Uh,
1: stories that would have been sensational at the time were a, yeah. a bit bad, but we yeah, can't get a, those back. Yeah, unfortunately that's the way it is, right? Um, yeah. um so in so in terms of, of, of um like the more kind of interesting recent stories you're saying so you you are there are bits coming up that do have that kind of more dark sexual bend to them um, you know what subsequent... it, it, it's interesting because I think people who are interested
0: in the occult and interested in witchcraft and within Ireland's pagan community which is very diverse now, um, perhaps people are more open and they're saying things or maybe it's just the circles I move in that I'm getting to hear about these types of stories often And there may be a ritual element, so there there, there, there could be some kind of uh, initiatory taboo where people can't talk about what happened. Yeah. But they 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 will hint at it, you know. Like I certainly I know a lot of people who um would perform rituals and who would say this happened or that happened, but I can't write about. So, are are people just encountering what? people have always encountered, but couldn't disclose. Um, There's certainly a bit of a taboo about speaking about fairy encounters in general, not even from a a sexual point of view or from some kind of dark magic where they had to use a piece of a corpse or something like Like Now, there are the odd stories in Douglas. There is a particular story where a fairy instructs someone to Dig up a corpse and use the hand, so you know, know the dead hand. Like, I was surprised to find those types of stories in the archive, and using using the hand for things to either uh, make your neighbor's butter go bad, you know, or even to break into houses. So that that is interesting. That that bypassed the type of self censorship that we had, but I suppose in other ways. There was almost—I don't know if you find this there, but the, the, the Irish humour is quite dark as well. So there are toothache remedies where you dig up a, a corpse and take the skull and rub the the corpses the, the the skull tooth against your tooth, and those kind of things are in. And there's that's a really dark thing, and yet it's almost humorously thrown in, you know. So it may, yeah. maybe that, that's an Irish characteristic. But.
1: I mean, talking shit is one of our, yeah, <laughs> one of our cultural, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there was a it was an interesting um, a show we did a, uh, a couple of years back uh called um "The Spansel of Death."
0: Yes, yeah, so I remember that one. That was a very, yeah. very good show. That was the, the the girl whose uncle, I think, our great uncle, had written the play. Was that right? That's right. It, yeah. And it was it was only in the Abbey, and it then didn't go ahead because the
1: the rising took place. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good, good memory on you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah that's exactly it. and then that was a, that was an interesting one because like um it like total black magic in, in that one, yeah, yeah, like taking up a corpse and taking a a making a ring of 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 skin, pushing it out so it was, came off as a perfect ring, and then wearing it about one's waist for the rest of your life yeah like, yeah
0: and and the and the thing is of, of course that spell did not just
1: exist in isolation yeah.
0: it didn't pop out of nowhere yeah. that, that was obviously part of a lexicon of spells that we, we perhaps uh, I don't know we, we didn't write about and still exist or else it was just something that um, again initiation uh, witchcraft lines and so on you get a lot of people saying that they're part of um a tradition that's been going back hundreds of thousands of years at least people say that say that to me and yeah. maybe they are and so they're gonna have access to to yeah. cells like that which are which are very dark but it, that that puts me in mind of uh, the idea of bloodletting as well which which again existed and it, it managed to to get through ducas archives as well so there the, are accounts of people drinking blood on certain days, drink mixing it with milk um, for protection, for fairy protection. But then there's also an interesting story of a woman who was washing her sheets and she, she put them on the fairy fort to dry. And when she came back the next day, they were sprinkled in blood. And after that, she, she got really sick and died herself. And then later she was seen at the fairy fort as a ghost in the company of the fairies. So I always find that a really interesting account because it has a, a number of interpretations but or are, are avenues that you can go down. But first of all, like did the fairies poison her? Did they put contaminated blood on her sheets? Uh, mm-hmm. Was her transgression really that bad? Like, mm-hmm. put her sheets on the fairy trees at the fort to dry? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem to be too, too, uh, too bad a thing to do. But then afterwards, of course, when she's dead to be, Seen in their company, so it's not even like was the blood used to initiate a transformation from the human world and allow access to the fairy world? Because you do have that lim- liminal area where it's like, are they a ghost or are they human or have they been transported to something in be- a place in between? And it's it's an interesting one to contemplate for all of those reasons, but. It also strikes me as one that's a good example of how baffling sometimes the actions of fairies are to us, because yeah. we can't we can't really make sense of that. We're like, well, like why why would you do that to this person? But again, their motivations might be completely different, and it's you know you'll, you'll spend your whole life trying to find the answers to to these stories, and and yeah, you won't do it in the end.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And uh, you know I I love these stories. They they're so fascinating and and they, they really they really bring me home. You know, um they bring me home in a in a in a, in a kind of very rural way. Um well obviously enough, but what the the reason I'm making this meandering <laughs> lead into the question is is like you're very close to, to so many people that have uh, uh, experiences and you're, you're an authority in the, in, in this area. Mm. Like I've rarely heard of like fairy encounters in cities and towns. Like they always seem to be confined to kind of rural spaces. You know, when I think of a fairy landscape, I have a very, very clear one in my head, you know, um, what's your what's your thoughts on that Is it, i know you get you get things like brownies like house fairies yeah you yeah. know the dobbies of this world um yeah you know?
0: um it's an interesting one to ponder because i mean we we're, we're, we're approaching a point now where we have so many cities and they've encroached on so much of yeah. um previously wild landscapes so perhaps the the apparent um, disparity there is simply due to that, and it won't matter once once the city's expanded up and the town's expanded yeah. up. You'll find that the, the the encounters continue. So there is that, but there is also there are a lot of accounts in Dublin city as well. For example, back in the turkeys, like if there's a few um, podcasts uh, from the National Folklore Archives where they talk about people living in in the in the tenements, yeah. throwing out their their wastewater and they would have to call out or whistle in case the fairies were going by. Yeah. Uh, it's because they didn't want to offend them. So there was that knowledge mm. of fairies and the belief that they could still be existing in that urban environment as well as the, the rural areas. But I, I agree with you as well, because there, there certainly does seem to be an easier um, access point in wilderness than, than a city. Um, whether that's to do it, you know, there's a very, very basic thing of being more grounded and being in a natural environment because some people would see fairies as very much that type of uh, woodland spirit yeah. type of uh, almost um, a, a Steiner-like form. And others then would, would disagree completely with that as well. And So for me, living where I live, certainly, I strongly associate very with the, 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 the wilder parts of the land. If I'm going to a stone circle or whatever, or I'm going on a hike up the mountain, I'll almost bypass like the, the parts of the town which are built up, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I stop the car and get about a mile into the woodland, then I kind of go, okay, now I'm out into, into the wild where things may happen or, you know, I can get yeah. a sense of what it was like for people back in the day or... It, you know I can focus more upon a so, story I might be researching and I feel it's more authentic there but there might, there might be a bias on my part certainly uh, Fritz Lieber this, uh, he was a science fiction writer but he also wrote about folklore in that context and he said he had a term for it, it escapes me at the moment but he said that everything eventually becomes haunted and he, mm. he said look it doesn't matter he said whether you're, you're moving to a city to escape the the, the the goblins and ghouls eventually they they yeah. go they come into you in the city as well so you know
1: yeah yeah I, I find it I find it very intriguing you know and it's it's one of those things that like like I mean I I live fairly close to well you know in a global sense I feel I live close to London um, but you know that's one of the kind of major magical cities of the world. Um, but it, it's, you know, where where stuff kind of kicks off for me, or where I feel it, things happening, um, it, it tends to be rural, you know, um, yeah. But I don't, you know, I kind of have an idea of what, um, I'm picking up or sensing, you know, like um, it, yeah, and it's not ghosts, you know, like mm-hmm. um. Um, yeah, where I live is a very, very old place. You know, like it's over; it's been inhabited for over a thousand years. Um, and uh, it, it's it's got its, it's it's uh it's got its stories of of um local witches and murderers strung up in in gibbets and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but my, my sense is that there is. I think you can pick up on the type of entities or intelligences that fairies may or may not be mm-hmm. seem to be connected with landscape in a different way than they are to, yeah. to cities. Um, and I, you know, that's not to say that there are, the cities don't have their own kind of guardians and all that kind of stuff. I'm just not, I'm not that versed and I don't, I don't really know, but, but, um, the fairy energy like if you think about kind of like the the descriptions of like things that are associated with fairies, like they're all like, they're all naturally occurring things. You know, and it's like, it's, it's, all oh, it's, the, it's the blackthorn tree or it's the arch of, of blackberries. It's, you know, the, it's the certain trees you don't touch. It's the ring of stones, the ring of mushrooms, you know, it's not the, yeah. ring of, it's, you know, it's not the ring of, of kind of, Man-maids. yeah, 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 yeah,
0: <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's, that's still the case. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to East Stone Circle, no. um, which is quite near me, but uh, there's a hawthorn the tree there, and it's right. strongly associated as like a, a portal, a portal yeah. tree as well. Yeah. You know, and these stories have existed like for hundreds of years, maybe, maybe much longer. Yeah. Uh, with, was mapped out by a, a lady called Helen O'Cleary back in the 70s and early 80s with right. um, with, with Dunsink Observatory helping her and her son who was um, an, an engineer and basically what she'd done was she mapped out and she showed that the whole zodiac was was encoded with, within the circle. Now, wow. some people think that her calculations may not be entirely correct but what we do know is that the, the the solstices and equinoxes are so from that of course you get the full cycle of the year anyway so i i don't i, I, I don't disbelieve that that, that her, her calculations are um are, are are correct but um what's interesting there is we were talking about this uh who was i talking to about this i can't remember anyway the the point was that at certain times of the year are certain fairies more strongly associated with places. And you can just take a cursory look through Ducas or whatever, and then you find out, oh yeah, uh, there are certain fairies that pop up in, in the summertime. In Solstice, for example, the Amidon, who is supposed to be the worst fairy to encounter because the Amadon is one, you know yourself. Yeah. Um, it has these, this dual aspect, and the, the amadon even early apparently, wasn't able to cure the stroke from the oh, wow. because it was, it, it was so strong and so, uh, it, it's so powerful. So the Amadon is strongly associated with, with June, which from a Zodiac point of view is, is the sign of Gemini. So it's interesting to look at that dualistic nature. Is that a remnant of previous knowledge? just just bleeding into the fairy lore or, or is it is it literally true you may encounter the Amazon and be okay or you may encounter the Amazon and end up you know insane and yeah. then there are other fairies that are associated with the arrival of certain flowers and plants so with um, the bluebells for example there there are fairies dressed in white who appeared at um Rathbilly moat, for example, and Rathbilly moat is, is an ancient structure which again was, has um, particular ages built upon it, but these fairies called to a house of someone who had picked blueberries and they, they, they knocked on the door and they were dressed on in white and they, they looked like it normal human beings and he said you're not to take the bluebells anymore they belong to us so they were associated with that particular flower and then of course there's berries that are associated with daffodils and again the horse horn tree so uh, coming back to your point you have all of these links to nature but you don't have the same links to
1: uh, urban environments
0: yet but may- maybe at some point that yeah. will change
1: yeah 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 maybe it will change yeah that's fascinating um <laughs> So one fairy that I really want to get your opinion on is is the the, the puka, and um, it, I've been kind of I've got I think I've got like something brewing in my head about kind of um, that this might kind of be my next rabbit hole to fall down to. Okay, um, and it, it kind of it started with it's, it started with kind of like the 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 puck fair and kind of all the kind of etymological links with the word book, book, and almost every northwestern country in Europe has a variant of that word, which means a similar thing, which Yeah, is yeah. somewhere between goat, somewhere between fairy. It all means trickster, you know. Um, and what I found really fascinated me is that you've got this time period from basically like, Lunasa, through to the Epiphany, you know, to be in a, a week or so, or just over a week, um, where you've got characters crossed uh, in fo- folkloric celebrations uh, across uh, northwestern Europe and in some parts of Central Europe, where you have something akin to how the the puka or the uh, yeah, how the puke how the is described, right? Constant like a, a wild thing. Sometimes like a, with a horse's head. Sometimes with horns. Sometimes like a, a giant rabbit. All that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did 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 you see that statue? That would there was uproar over it. Um,
1: the big horse's head thing.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. sorry, it was sculpture, not not a yeah. statue, but there was uproar. But I thought it was really, really. Physical and very yeah. much uh, archaic, you know. If you know, like you're going to imagine a puka will be that kind of uh, creature with with danger attached to it. And I can know? tell
1: you, if I saw that on the road, I would absolutely, <laughs> <have it. laughs> you know, yeah, it yeah would have artifact. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know. Well, you should, you should see what comes out of the local pub here at twelve o'clock at night. Uh.
1: Right? <laughs> 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 But, uh, so so you have so if, like say if we started at like started the puck fair um, and yeah. carry and you have all the kind of the the, the wonderful uh i mean I, I when i often describe this to kind of locals here in, in england or, or friends and if not from ireland they're like hang on what <laughs> yeah
0: yeah
1: they're like yeah no we marry a wild goat to a 13 year old girl yeah yeah, you know? yeah 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 uh, yeah and all the wonderful stuff that goes along with that, when you know the crowning of the of King Puck, uh, and like, you know, there's a there's a there's a undercurrent of a, there's a covenant there being made between the locals and the wild. You know, yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a covenant being made. You know, um, yeah, yeah. And then you go across to um, Central Europe and, and and Germany and Austria, and you got Krampus. You know, and yeah. Krampus is yeah. like the the reverse of of um, of Santa Claus, right? And he comes and you know takes the bad children away, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I found out about um, a figure in in Finland uh, called um uh, Nutipuki. Oh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm I've, I've emphasizing. Okay. Basically, <laughs> I, I'm one of my best friends from Finland. And okay. um, I find the Finnish language, like in a deeply, deeply childish way, very funny just to yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all like you know it's bumpy it's a bumpy language there's, there's lots of clicks and whistles in there Yes, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. um but it's a, a like a human type wild man who's got horns right you know yeah, so it's yeah and this is um i think it's uh, it's around epiphany uh Saint nuts day so nutti Puki is like nuts goat right yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. some of that. But it happens around St. Day New, in, in in Finland, which is around Epiphany. So you've got this whole period from, like Luna said, through to Epiphany, where you've got these wild, kind of wild man figures, right? Yeah. Who seem yeah. to be kind of tied to goats in some description. They all have this this ethnological connection to hookah, or hookah a variant of it. And Buka yeah. being Bukka being the kind of do the 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 Cornish equivalent of this, mm-hmm. um, this spirit, um, and they all have this reversal happening. So it's like yeah, you know, yeah. The Krampus is the reverse of Santa. Um, the, the the wild goat is the crown king. It's a reversal of the roles in civilization, and and the the, the, the nudie pookie is is like playing tricks know to enter the house yeah, so like yeah uh, the, the mary lewis wales right so it's playing tricks you have to sing a song to come out and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah you know yeah. Uh, we have all this costumes like the the rem boys straw boys so the same stuff in some way happens yeah
0: yeah for yeah, yeah. this
1: longer time period um and i'm absolutely fascinated by that you know and fascinated kind of like how the kind of similar kind of mischievous traits are exhibited yeah do,
0: do, do you know what? No, what's interesting there for, um, I, I live close to uh, Pula Fuca, have you heard? Do you know Pula Fuca in, in Wicklow? So, so Pula Fuca is Pool of the yeah. Fuca. And before Blessington Lakes were created, they were created artificially back in 1947, which right. was finished in, finished in 1950. So basically they flooded the entire Lippi Valley there right. and created these lakes. But before Blessington Lakes was, was there, there was a place called the Pula Fuca, and it was a pool associated with this fairy being yeah. and i was i was interested to, to to try and find out what kind of stories were there before this place was gone now if you go onto the national monuments database and you go over blessington lakes on the map you can see all the red dots where there were ancient structures right. that are now submerged beneath the water which is which is sad but at least yeah. we have some kind of record of them and i so and I, I was like okay yeah it was a place strongly associated with with ancient monuments but then I would like check the Dukas archives again, and then there were stories about the trickster Puka who would change into a rabbit. Sometimes he would pretend to be a school teacher. So when you're talking about that trickster element, and the, when I say trickster, I don't just mean something we can't understand, but to actually uh, almost subvert mm. the local population. Like what what better way to do it? To become the school teacher and then turn into the rabbit when people find out about you, and then yeah. run across the hills with everyone shooting after you. You know, yeah. so you have that. You have that leftover uh, archetype, and the puka in Blessington manifests as uh, oddly enough. Okay, so I mentioned the rabbit, but there are also stories of it being a black cat. There are also stories oh, of really? it being a, of being a horse, and which which is actually quite common because uh, yeah. close by here is uh, the what's called the Ring of the Rat, which is this uh, Bronze Age fort, and then it became, then a later medieval enclosure. And one of the stories associated with the ring of the rat is that a person was taken for three days by the puka. And the puka, he thought he was only gone for three hours with this missing time. Yeah. Uh, my motif is quite common with, with fairy encounters as well. So he was taken by the by the black horse. He thought he was being uh, taken away for three hours and he came back so it was later, three days later or something like that.
1: Right.
0: So that's interesting as well because the puka there doesn't seem to be a definitive way to pin it down. And I guess that's part of its nature. (laughs) And, you know, like that, that idea of reversal is in itself throwing it back on you and reflecting what you want to see in a way you you, you might argue, but there's also an interesting way of looking at it because the Puka being associated with the winter, the winter was the wildest time and the time where you were in danger and where Nature might kill you anyway because of whether it's starvation or the cold. Yeah. So it's interesting to have that figure associated with, with, with the elements. And there are also parallels there to the Calic as well. Yeah, lots yeah. of the, 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 the women, very type uh, supernatural figures associated with this time of year Lebafana, um, Petra, and so on, So and, and Holda. So these are all women representing the winter in a way but at the same time there's there's more to to them than that because they all have their own supernatural attributes and their own motivation yeah just like the puka has it's just trying to get a pin on it is it's very difficult
1: yeah yeah no it really is um and uh, i i think what what really fascinates and i'm so glad you picked up on that about there because that's a bit I forgot about like um how so many geographical places are named after this 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 particular like spirit or arctic whatever whatever it is it's like there's everywhere like it's all over the place here as well and like in in the uk you come up with like you know puck lane and like um uh, and or pook lane these kind of things like just comes up again and again it's absolutely fascinating Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, it shows
0: it shows the connect con- connection that was there between the everyday world and the supernatural world. How yeah. pervasive it yeah. was to have to have all these places named named after these figures. It's like what we were speaking about at the start, <laughs> um, where I was saying traveling through Ireland and you see how people could live in isolation, and yet they still came up with figures who may may have had different names sometimes, but at the yeah. same time the attributes of these forms still came through and when you look at the tales from whether it's even the uk or wales or scotland or yeah. you know with the celtic countries as well, as whence show lots of the figures are very very similar so mm-hmm. that's interesting is it just that you you then come up against that barrier of like well hang on are, are they obeying geographic rules it's, it's like why why would they do that if they're outside of it so they're that kind of conundrum as well, I suppose. Yeah,
1: it, it is. It's extraordinary, and and like um, like I think about like like a lot of my my kind of research into into to the gin um kind of over the last whatever it is um eight or ten years, it, it brought me back to, to Ireland in a in a big way, you know um, and one of the things that's is fascinating is that there's a great book called um. Um, living with Jinns by Doctor Barbara Drystones, if I'm pronouncing her surname correctly, but it's an anthropological study of kind of like the the of um living with um a family that she married into in Cairo, um and kind of some of their beliefs and had had a kind of gin factor in, in things to a degree, um and that description you gave of of someone on the outskirts of Dublin kind of like warning uh one of the fairies for they they throw water out. There's a story in that book, which is um, her auntie is like, a, or a friend of her auntie, you know, there's always that bit removed, right? Um, was working late at night, which is considered a taboo anyway. Uh, cleaning late at night in the house was considered a bit of a taboo. Mm-hmm. Through the kind of the, the know, the, the, the mop bucket water out the front. Um, and as she did, so she she saw a dog, she threw it at the dog, right? Um, and then she struck down blind. And then eventually he mm-hmm. was praying over her and she started to see the dog with the image of the dog was kind of burned into her mind's eye. And um, eventually she, um, the, the, the kind of the, the gin magic was reversed, but she began to think that the dark, the black dog was the gin. Um, and I was back, uh, I was back in Mayo uh, a couple of years ago and I found a paper cutting in the Western people. Uh, and I was talking about kind of Irish fairy lore what it gave a case of woman in Mayo who um had thrown water out without giving the the correct you know um warning. yeah warning and preventative saying which is like something in Irish of like, you know, Ishka Salak a shocked move move, you know, this kind of thing. And um and she did she hit she yeah the fairies cursed her. She hit a fairy, injured them and then um her face was reversed, you know, to the back of her head, and then uh, right, well, right. I can't remember if she if she was <laughs> recovered from that. But but you know, it was one of those things where, like you know, we talk about kind of geographical distance in in Ireland being kind of a barrier. Where here you have Cairo, you know, you're yeah, Cairo, yeah. Cairo and Mayo talking essentially about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and then there's the interesting thing. I'm talking about fairies in cities and. Jinner walking around there you and go yeah. Rope, yeah. So. and and yeah.
0: isn't it interesting that that um, idea of reversal can also be used to cure or or, or to break uh, a fairy yeah, spell? Yeah, because yeah. you know if you get caught up in the fairy mist for example one of yeah. the fairy mist is this mist that descends and it, some people say it's, it's almost like a, a passageway to the other world you might never mm-hmm. find your way back but the idea was that if you were to reverse your jacket or sometimes all <laughs> of your clothing that would break the very spell you know yeah. so that that motif of reversal tends to pop up in all kinds of interesting ways as you as you were saying about the 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 as well luca yeah. you have that reversal um and you have it here but but used differently it's almost like it's this particular key that can unlock different doors sometimes the door will lead you to an even worse situation but some you
1: know, yeah yeah I'm so, in in your your show with uh, with Douglas in what magic with this, um, you had a wonderful expression which I think Douglas picked up on, which was um, called the fairies essentially, where like Irish senubites or, or um, oh, some, yeah. something to, to to that effect. Um, what made you what made you think that? Like um, I mean, apart from everything they've done, but um... <laughs>
0: well, like. like it, it, Books anyway, and he has a huge knowledge of folklore and fairy tale from around the world. So I would say he 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 knew what he was doing making Cenobites, What they are? Cenobites are these demons, if you like, <laughs> that people summon. They they have in in the movie Hellraiser. They you get this magic box and you uh, un, unlock it in a certain way, and they come to you, and they will give you your 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 wish. But there's always a terrible price to pay, of course. And they, they have that trickster nature as well, because what they say, maybe literally, you may, you might make an assumption about it, but when you look at the words, there will there have been something in there that tripped you up and you, you didn't know. And suddenly you're theirs forever. And that's very, very much like, you know, some of the encounters with fairies. With so for me, I was like trying to make the point that you can't just think about, about In Irish folklore, in authentic Irish folklore, the fairies are more like Cenobites than Tinkerbell. And that was just to show that, you know, there's danger here. There's Mm -hmm. lots of stories where people come out, you know, dead, like the the story I mentioned about the the woman who put her sheep on the fairy board, for example. You know, but you can find lots of stories like that. Um, There was a a person who lives close by here and she was telling me a story. It's one of these stories that she hadn't told anyone before Issues, but um, it was about her father, and one of the local fairy forts The rumor was that there was treasure in it. Right. And when he was a young man, that things were hard. Family, and he decided that he was going to go up and just see, for example, if yeah. if, if, if he could find it. <laughs> so he went up anyway, and he was digging away. And at one point, he looked up, and there were crows every, everywhere. And, but he was getting scratched and so on by the, the bushes and he couldn't find the entrance to the fairy fort. So he went home and in that evening he began to bleed from his from his eyes and he was bleeding all night and that was his warning, if you like, to to not do that again. Yeah. But it's another one of those situations where you go to this place, uh, you're, it's taboo to do it and there was a punishment. Now in a way, he, he got away lightly based on some of this, the, the fairy anecdotes that you hear. But still, the family didn't talk about it, and this woman was she's an elderly, like she didn't talk about it, but she she heard that I write about very story, so story, so she wanted to tell me about what happened. So there's yeah. authenticity about it as well. So you know, I, I just do think that people often underestimate the danger.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's really lovely. That's no, it's really lovely, and it's a it's a beautiful way to to. I think um, encapsulate the modern it, it coming up against this phenomena, you know, really is. Yeah, I, yeah. What, well, David? It's been tremendous chatting to you. You know, as I said, I've yeah, been, it's been
0: great. And you know, we we could go on for hours. I know, but <laughs> it,
1: it it's
0: definitely <laughs> on you know, one of those one of those I, subjects.
1: I'll put you on the spot now. Um, while people are listening, we you'll come back on again, will you?
0: Oh, of course I will. Of course really? I will. Do right. you know what? I'm sure I'd, when. I turn off the the laptop or the tablet now, and yeah. I'll go. Oh, I never mentioned this, or I never <laughs> mentioned that, and you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, so, yeah there will be loads more to talk about definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can find me on Facebook with Circle Stories, and then of course the occult book review is just um, it's on Twitter, and basically just me uh, promoting new yeah. occult books that I'm interested in and that yeah. publishers send me. There's no real. Interaction other than that, but it's a good place to go if you want to find out find out what's being released. Yeah, Do you know. Um, Absolutely. other than that, yeah Circle Stories on Facebook is, is the best place okay. to find
1: me. well David, it's been it's been a real pleasure. Um, and uh, after I have to thank um, old um, Douglas Batchelor as well as um, I think it was the, yeah. the last time Doug, we. Douglas is great. Yeah, he did say to me, we, "You need to catch up with with, with David." he would love to listen to you <laughs> it. So. He's he's, he's he's a good man and, and he's, he's yeah. really wrong. So it's good to catch up and uh, inspire the show. So absolutely being fantastic. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And, and yeah, and
0: uh, best best of luck with your own book launch.
1: Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's a couple of months away now. I think it's yeah it's six months. It's like yeah, I, I shouldn't talk shit too much on my own pod <laughs> my own podcast. Mistaken <laughs> age. <laughs> I finished this ages ago. Like you know.
0: no, it's crazy. I'm looking forward to reading it again because even though I read the manuscript, I'd like to have to. Yeah. physical book yeah. now and I'm going to get it myself and, and have it there. and I'll put it on a cult book review oh, that would
1: be really kind of you yeah. I appreciate it yeah. appreciate it yeah. well it's been an absolute pleasure and yeah. um, let's catch up soon yeah all the best for
0: 24 there you I'll too keep you bye. too bye
1: wonderful wonderful stuff um that was that was great i really enjoyed that and i'm sure uh, we'll have david back on the show in in the future uh, i think there's a lot more areas uh, for us to explore and discuss um and we'll leave it there we'll leave it there take care talk soon bye